My name is Emily Hines, and I attend Houston City Council meetings, and I take notes. Then I share them with you. Today's notes are from the council meeting on July 13th, 2022. We will call this episode Redistricting Part 1, although there is also non-redistricting stuff to talk to. So first, we will start with the mayor's report. Mayor Turner was out again for the third week in a row. I hope that he's okay. So Councilmember and Mayor Pro Tem Martin led the meeting. City Council redistricting public hearings start today. There is one during this meeting and another in the evening at 7 p.m. And the final one on Wednesday, July 20th at 9 a.m., which is also during the council meeting. Redistricting materials can be found at HoustonTX.gov. The gun buyback event is on July 30th from 8 a.m. to 12 at Wheeler Baptist Church. This is advertised as a no questions asked event where you can get gift cards for turning in guns. Please see my notes on the Public Safety Committee meeting on June 16th for all of the details. The COVID-19 level is very high right now, up 800% compared to one year ago, and hospitalizations are increasing. Councilmember Martin encouraged everyone to wear masks, even if you are vaccinated. No council members in the chamber were wearing masks, but a few staff were. Visit getvaccinatedhouston.org for information on vaccines if you need to do that. Congrats to Lizzo on her Emmy Award. And finally, Councilmember Martin wished everyone a happy 713 day. So at this meeting, there were three public hearings. The first one was for multi-use flood detention in parks, a.k.a. using parks to hold water when it rains. Houston Parks Director Kenneth Allen and Houston Public Works Division Manager Parrish Ladd gave a presentation on proposed multi-use detention renovations at five parks across the city. This is a pilot program, so hopefully that means there's more to come. The city plans to renovate five parks so that they provide flood water retention during rain events, in addition to all the wonderful park things they provide the rest of the time. The five parks are Boone Park, Hackberry Park, Cambridge Village Park, Edgewood Park, and E.P. Hill Park. And they're all in areas where water naturally flows to and in neighborhoods that flood during rain events. Each park will feature large, sunken, grassy areas that can hold water when needed and will be used for things like soccer fields and baseball fields at all other times. Mr. Ladd showed renderings of what the parks will look like once complete, and they look great. I love projects like these. They'll get new facilities, walking trails, playgrounds, sports courts, shade trees, wetland habitats, and more. Councilmember Robinson praised this pilot program, including all of the landscape designers working on it, and pushed for its expansion. Councilmember Castix Tatum is thrilled and pointed out that it will help with flooding regionally, not just in the park neighborhoods, because the water everywhere will have somewhere to go. Councilmember Thomas is looking forward to the Boone Park Rehab and mentioned residents would like a crosswalk to access the park, which is very reasonable. Councilmember Martin loves to see the collaboration, and that's a direct quote. Next, I'll go over the redistricting public hearings. There were two, one in the morning and one in the evening, but I'm going to combine them into one section for you, dear listeners. Council district boundaries are redrawn every 10 years because of the census. Councilmember Martin began by saying the purpose of the public hearing is to hear from the public, and I was like, okay. Next, City Attorney Arturo Michelle said this map is a draft, so changes are possible. Council district criteria includes districts with roughly equal population sizes, intact voting precincts, preservation of neighborhoods, shared community interests, geographical boundaries, and providing equal opportunity for constituents to elect candidates of their choice. 
Demographer Jerry Wood went over the changes by district. I am not going to do that because I think it will be very boring for you, but I would like to point out a few selected changes. Also, if you want to read about it, I do go over it in the written notes, which are on my Instagram at Embelize. Okay, so here we go. District C has the highest population and needs to be reduced by 20,000. So rather than make one radical change, Mr. Wood proposes a series of small changes like moving Freedmanstown forthward to District H and moving the Rice Campus District, uh, Rice Campus to District D, amongst other things. District D will receive Rice Campus and give away area in the southwest to District I. District E gives two voting precincts with high Hispanic population to District I. District G needs to reduce their population, so they're proposed to give some to F, A, C, and J. And District H has the lowest population and needs to receive a significant amount to be brought up to the minimum. So they're proposed to receive Precinct 890 from I, which includes the incarcerated population downtown and area from District C, like Freedmanstown, and B. I also think it's notable that District K has no proposed changes, the only one. Next up for the public speakers, I'll include both the AM and PM sessions together and will exclude some comments that didn't garner much conversation. And here's a quick overview so you can get the lay of the land. Two people complained that there was not enough time to review the maps before the hearings. Seven people advocated for creating Hispanic opportunity districts by reducing the number of at-large council members. I'll talk more about that later. Six people advocated for Freedmanstown to remain in District C. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who participated because it's not an altogether easy process. So whether you're noted here or not, I saw you and listened to you and I'm glad that you were there. Okay, here we go. I'm going to list a few that stood out or had conversation around them. Number one, a League of United Latin American Citizens, a.k.a. LULAC member, advocated for greater Hispanic representation on council by eliminating at-large council members to create more and smaller Hispanic opportunity districts which will help with equal representation. Councilmember Knox said this speaker wants districts based on race and asked why he thinks at-large reps are incapable of representing people of different races than themselves. To which the speaker told Councilmember Knox he's racist and condescending, and that was very satisfying. Councilmember Martin then reminded the audience that council rules do not allow audience members to snap or clap, which I couldn't hear, but knowing that people were snapping and clapping was also very satisfying. Councilmember Gallegos thanked this speaker for coming and reminded his colleagues, but he was really talking to Knox, that they are elected to listen to constituents, not to argue with them. Councilmember Cisneros supports getting rid of at-large council members because resources are already stretched thin and she thinks it will help uh, to manage to have smaller populations that each council member has to cover. Number two, another LULAC member advocated for getting rid of at-large positions. Councilmember Gallegos said the proposed map dilutes the Hispanic vote in District J, which Councilmember Pollard, who represents District J, took issue with. He said nothing precludes Hispanic people from running for office. He said, quote, drawing a line on a map does not automatically assume you'll get a certain outcome, end quote. Councilmember Gallegos responded that 60% of the Hispanic population can't vote, much less run for office, because they are undocumented or are underage. Number three, this person advocated for leaving Precinct 566 in District F, where they are already well represented. 
I thought he had some good words, so I'm going to quote them. He said, you are dividing community interests, you're dividing an A-Leaf school, you're taking a landmark, and you're possibly interrupting the incumbent's community relations, end quote. Number four was Zion Escobar, a Freedmanstown community member. And she asked what the benefit to Freedmanstown's proposed move to District H is. She said, help us make this make sense, and there are too many unknowns for us to be able to say this is a good decision. When questioned by Councilmember Knox about why she thinks they should stay in C, she said the people in Montrose and Midtown were a part of the expansion that boxed Freedmanstown in, and that expansion has had consequences. Quote, people in District H don't owe Freedmanstown anything. The people who are approximate to the Heritage District, they were a part of the change. I don't know that we would find the same allyship and that we wouldn't be seen, whether it's perceived or accurate, as diluting the Hispanic vote. End quote. Councilmember Knox had a few things to say, all of which annoyed me. His last comment to Ms. Escobar was, quote, I want to make sure you understand it's not the community that's going to make a decision on this. It's the people sitting around this table. And so we are seeking information from you, end quote. Councilmember Kubash then somehow tried to turn this into a discussion on the importance of at-large council members, but it really didn't make any sense. Councilmember Cisneros, who represents District H, said that H is receiving population like Freedmanstown because of an undercount during the census, meaning their resources will be stretched even thinner. She does not seem to want to take on Freedmanstown. Number five, this speaker advocated for Precinct 566 to stay in District F. He referenced the photos released by NASA this week and said, quote, What's out there does not pay attention to ethnicity. What's out there pays attention to your mastery of the physical order of this universe, which is the one great thing that human beings have, the power to discover what's out in that universe. And that's what gives us our future, end quote. So as you can see, things started getting philosophical at this public hearing. Number six, another Freedmanstown representative advocated for staying in District C, specifically citing Cisneros' feedback that District H resources are already stretched very thin. She said, quote, this map is a fancy way of redlining in 2022. When Councilmember Kubosh asked how districts should be drawn, she said that economics need to be taken into account. Quote, some of these districts have all low income shoved in together, and you want to shove Freedmanstown into an already struggling district? Councilmember Plummer agreed on using economic factors to draw lines. She said, we're drawing lines from an equality perspective, not from an equity perspective. Councilmember Martin popped in to say that all council members work hard and ask for people to keep an open mind. Number seven, this person spoke on the collective trauma of the Meyerland area during flood events and is grateful to stay in District C as proposed. Number eight was Ben Chu. He advocated in Chinese with an interpreter for both precincts 507 and 311 to remain together, either in District F or J, rather than split as they are currently. This would al allow uh, Chinatown to be united and let them better advocate for themselves. And those are the public speakers. So I'm going to move on to some agenda items because, yes, there was still other business to take care of, even after all that. All right, agenda item nine approved a resolution in support of providing city services to the Republican National Committee in an effort to host the 2028 Republican National Convention. Such a resolution is a requirement of the bidding process. Councilmember Kamen opposed this resolution and cited the Texas Republican Party platform, which is anti-LGBTQ+, calls for the repeal of the minimum wage and the Voting Rights Act, asserts Texas's right to secede, and explicitly denies the legitimacy of the 2020 election. 
She said, quote, any organization has a right to enjoy all that our city has to offer, and they should. They have a right to come to Houston, but as a city, we do not have to proactively seek out and provide resolutions like this that do not reflect the core and basic principles of common decency and humanity, let alone our very democracy, end quote. Council members came in and Gallegos voted no. Everyone else voted yes, and the item passed. Agenda item 25 approved a Rebuilding American Infrastructure with Sustainability and Equity, or RAISE, grant application to the U.S. Department of Transportation for the Telephone Road Main Street Revitalization Project. Councilmember Huffman supported this item, but said we need to revisit a motion from Councilmember Evan Shabazz back on June 23rd, 2021, to reduce the water rate increase when we get federal infrastructure funding. So... I revisited my notes from this meeting. Here's what I wrote. Councilmember Evan Shabazz proposed an amendment that will allow council to revisit the water rate increase should we see significant funding from the federal government's proposed but not passed infrastructure bill earmarked for water infrastructure. So today's vote is to apply for a grant for a road revitalization project, not water infrastructure, which makes Huffman's point very moot. Just a nice talking point for Huffman to look like she's advocating for the people. Agenda item 29 nominated a few people to the Houston land bank. I recommend reading the 2018 Houston Chronicle article that goes over egregious mismanagement shenanigans at Houston land bank. Link in the show notes. All right, so this was a very long meeting, so I'm not going to go over the council member pop-offs. Hope that's okay with you. So that's the end. I want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. No new people to thank this time, but that is okay. I thank all of the ones we have already. The Patreon is patreon.com slash emilytakesnotes, and if you are able, we really appreciate it. You can find resources for this episode, including where to watch city council meetings, how to find your council member, some links for additional reading about stuff we talked about in the show notes. This week's episode has music from Joe Wasney, who also recorded it, and it was produced by Connor Clifton. And that's it. I'm Emily Hines, and I thank you for listening. 